episode number 27 of the world's would you rather be podcast i am brett loftus and we have a man he's been around the block a time or two he's in his sixth year of college baseball he's just good well of the COVID years and well he's had a lot of success in his years in college baseball mr colin kiernan colin how are we doing today man i'm doing good man just in, uh <clears throat> just enjoying this jersey weather and uh it's getting hot here getting in like the 70s high 60s uh we're uh we're moving towards summer over here Thank yeah you just God. just rub it in my face just rub <laughs> it in my face it's 46 degrees outside here in uh, north dakota today but you know what we're also moving there we got it we got a 70 we got a 70 piece coming up on the radar on the 10 day i looked this morning so not too bad not too bad we're on 70s watch we're on 70s watch yeah we're on 70s watch um that's about probably the highest vila ever through so if we can get there then <laughs> I will be we'll be doing good. I think we'll be doing real, real good. But Colin, as you know, was a was a or if you don't know, he was a two year rafter. Obviously, I was there with him when coincided in 2022. Um, Colin has had a baseball journey for the ages. Whenever he does have children and grandchildren, he'll have a lot of stories to tell them because he shared them with me. Uh, played at Rutgers his first year of college in 18 and also played summer ball. We'll talk about all the summer ball years. And then 2019, I'm not mistaken, you had a Juco year. At Miami Dade, and then you've been at Keene uh, since 2020. Now, in your fourth season at Keene, and as we mentioned, 2021 and 2022, he pitched two seasons in the Northwoods League with the Wisconsin Rapids Raptors. So, first off, obviously, Colin, you're a Jersey kid. You cut, you come out of high school. You actually led the state of New Jersey. I didn't know this. I was doing this in my prep, obviously, in Wisconsin Rapids. Didn't find this out until like your third or fourth start in Wisconsin Rapids last summer. You actually led the state of New Jersey in strikeouts your senior year of high school. And then you go to Rutgers. So kind of kind of take us through that process of getting recruited. I know different guys have different experiences. Was the draft even on your radar? Having as good as a senior high school, you did take us through all of that. Um, so my sophomore year. Uh, was really like kind of when uh, my recruiting took off. Like I did that trip down to Lake Point in Georgia. Um, I did the the trip to Fort Myers, Florida, did that. So I was getting a lot of Southern schools talking to me, which I was obviously when I was younger in high school, I was like, oh yeah, the South, best baseball, best baseball. Like got to go down there, warm weather. So like that was, I had a lot of like uh, Southern schools talking to me and so went back, uh, had my high school season my junior year, and I led the state in strikeouts that year also. Um, so then played summer ball again, and that's when it was like, all right, it's crunch time, time to make your decision. Like, you got to figure out where you're going. And it was between three schools. It was Rutgers, UNC Wilmington, and College of Charleston. And decided to, you know, stay home and play, play for Rutgers and, and represent Jersey. And um, I got a lot of time there. And they, that was – I got a lot of good quality innings. I was coming out Friday nights, Saturday nights in, in Big Ten play and our out-of-conference games. And that was that was a really great experience. Um, but um, getting back to high school, I mean, senior year um, – was was pretty big for me. I uh, I actually I tore my left labrum in my shoulder playing football my junior year. What position were you playing? Well, I didn't know you played football. Yeah, I was a, I was a slot and <clears throat> free safety as as well as our kicker and punter. Oh, listen to this guy, you, super util guy on the gridiron. 
Yeah, but had to had to give it up senior year because I got I got surgery the first day of my senior year of high school um, in order to get back for my senior year of baseball. Um, but after that, like, I mean, it, I had some talks with some guys about maybe getting drafted. Like, there there was a chance, um, but as you know, really didn't turn out that way. We ended up going to Rutgers, and that was a good experience. And then shifted down moved down to florida and how was that how was that you're a guy you you lived in jersey your whole life and like you said you played travel ball lake point by the way ungodly amounts of money just in case you're wondering um for anybody that plays travel ball that place makes ungodly amounts of money growing up i or at piedmont obviously it was in georgia had a buddy who worked for perfect game and had a lot of other buddies who worked for major travel organizations in Georgia, and they would tell me how much uh, money Lake Point was bringing in a year. And I thought about thought about getting into that business there for a little second. Not didn't give it too much thought, but but did think about it. But anyway, so you go from Jersey, obviously, like you said, you'd played travel ball, so you'd been down south before. You'd been to Florida, but nothing can prepare you for living in Miami. I know that. So you, you take the Juco route after your first year of Division One baseball at, at Rutgers and you go to Miami-Dade. So first, what was the thought process in going to Florida? And secondly, what was a bit of the, the culture shock going down there as well? Well, when I, when I kind of figured out I knew I was leaving Rutgers, I kind of just did what a lot of guys would do and just went straight to emails. And I've pretty much just emailed it the best junior colleges in Florida and Texas. And the Miami-Dade called me. They were like, hey, like, uh, we, we love guys from, from the Northeast. Um, we, had, we had three last year, like, gritty guys from up there. We, we'd love to bring you down and have a visit. I was like, all right, let, let, let me talk to my parents. I mean, it's a bit of, bit of a stretch come down there for, for <laughs> the junior college. Um, but my father and I, we flew down in the morning, saw Miami-Dade that day. Um, and I was like, wow, I, I really like this place. Committed that day and was on a flight back to Jersey that night. <clears throat> How about that, dude? All within the span of, what, 12 to 15 hours. So you go down there. Literally. You, you obviously had a good year. Um, what, what, was your, what was your expectations going into pitching at a junior college? And obviously in my, Miami as well, it's kind of a two-fold situation. And then what did you feel like you gained from that? And, and tell us about that season and that school year you spent down there. So it was, uh, it was definitely like a big culture shock to me because I like didn't really realize that a lot of Miami is Cuban. Mm -hmm. And a majority of the people there are either bilingual or don't speak English at all. And uh, <clears throat> Miami, <clears throat> Miami-Dade has a very good ESL program. So I'd say 80% of my team was either from the Dominican Republic Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, we were we were real good. And uh, there's, I think there was probably five kids from the United States on the team <clears throat> at that time. So uh, like one was from Georgia, one was from Mississippi, one was from Charlotte, um, one was from Orlando, and then there was me from Jersey. <laughs> and then the rest of the kids all spoke Spanish, or or when they were from Miami, they they were from either Cuba, Costa Rica. <clears throat> so like that was really cool play with some of those kids and, and seeing where they come from. I guess with the culture shock for them, was there even a culture shock in Miami for them and kind of meeting guys like you and from the United States? 
Yeah, like and like the, with with them coming over for these ESL class because they had a good program. A lot of these guys were like, "All right, this is a great op- opportunity for two things: for baseball and, and to come here and get a get an education." So that that in itself was a culture shock for a lot of those guys, and and a lot of them <clears throat> didn't really come from a lot, you know, like they they were from down there, and then th- th- this was it for them: play, playing ball and playing with those type of kids who have that commitment to the game and and to to pro- help provide for their families is truly one of the most inspiring things that I saw down there. Like, <clears throat> like I'll still talk to some of those guys like from down there and they're still here in the United States playing NAI ball. Like, you know, they're continuing their education. Like they're still crushing it, you know? So like playing with those kids, like it was a culture shock for them, but for me too, you know, like, being from Jersey and then going down there and playing with these type of guys, it was, it was a culture shock for me, but it was also one of the most inspiring things that like a lot of our guys on our team saw. So obviously you talk about Miami Dade and, and, and the culture down there and, and being around those type of guys. And then you wanted to get back. Like, like you've told me before, you, you wanted to get back home. Obviously you enjoyed Miami you enjoyed being around that, that guys and that culture down there. But at the end of the day, you love Jersey. And I think, like everybody always says, your home is where your heart is. And so you ended up saying, well, I want to get back home. I got to take the D3 route. So you chose Keene. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Um, and uh, it was it was really weird how the recruiting for that even worked. Um, I, was, I was still living in Florida. I was training at IMG Academy. <clears throat> um, with two of my teammates from Miami Dade and uh, I got a call or I got a text from my old teammate at Rutgers and said that his brother is coaching at Kane and uh, he wanted to give me a call. I was like, all right, you know, why not? Kane's right around the block from my house. You know, I'll I'll give it a shot and talk to him. Ended up going home and, you know, see my parents hanging out at home and, like, well, you know what, I'll, I'll go down and I'll talk to Neil Ibera and Michael Terry down at Kane. Why not? Went down there, and it was probably my second time I went down there because I went down before I went to Dade. And I was like, you know what? I was like, like this place is pretty unreal. It's like, the, and the pitching coach was here, great. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I think this is a spot for me. And it was, it was like August 6th <laughs> when you're starting <laughs> classes, like late August, first week of September. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll come to Cade. Sounds good. So I ended up come, coming here and best decision of my life. So, so talk, talk about that turnaround because um, you're, you're a pretty intelligent guy. You've always had good academics. So it wasn't an issue of you getting into school necessarily, but how does that work for somebody that, that gets, you know, obviously you tore the school early August and you start late August, early September. How quick of a turnaround was that? And moving from Florida back to New Jersey, like that's stuff that I don't think people talk about as much, but that's a process, dude. Oh man. It was, it was pretty much like that day we got the application in the game and it was like two or three days later, they rushed the process. I was in, had to move myself back up to Jersey. And now it's a bit of a process and, and it just kind of took off from there. Right. When I got back, right back to Jersey. So just to finish the thought on Miami, did you ever go to the U 
And I know you got a long time girlfriend. I don't want to incriminate you with anything, but did you ever go and see the sights and sounds at Miami, um, both athletically and otherwise? Um, so I would go, me and my buddies would go to the U Miami basketball games all the time. Okay. I mean, and also the U Miami football games, but the U Miami football games, like they're at hard rock stadium. Mm -hmm. So they're like 40 minutes North. So pretty much, like, if you go to the like, you're going to the game. You're not really going into the game, right? No, I'm we're picking up what you're putting down there. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're kind of hanging out in the parking lot and and like that. That was a different animal down there. That place was was really really cool um, all around. I mean, <clears throat> it's a different lifestyle living in living Coral Gables and in, in Coconut Grove, Florida. Man, like like those areas are unreal. I have been to, I've only been down there once. It was to Marlins game down there in the Coral Gables area, but it is, it is beautiful, but you, you got to watch where you're going. Oh, oh more than you know. <laughs> that, that place was uh, definitely a one-time living spot for me. That is for sure. Colin Kiernan, that's his review in South Florida. That's what we're going with right there. Oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm still a Florida guy like through and through. Like I'll move back there, but you will never catch me within a hundred miles of Miami. Let me tell you, unless I'm going back to Miami Dade in Kendall, Florida, you won't catch me within a hundred miles of that place. <laughs> so you move back to Keene. Uh, we're enrolled now, and then your first season, you got like a one six, and then they say nope, COVID's going on. You got to go home. How did that – we've talked about that with a few guys because we're all around the same age. We were all in college at that time. You, you, you'd been at Rutgers, transferred. You went to Miami Dade, took the Juco around, had a good year. Now you parlayed that to get back home. You're having a lot of success, and then they're like, you got to stop the year. Talk about that. Going, and you're already at home, so what kind of training went into that? Was there anything mentally – obviously there was for everybody, but just that whole process – of stopping your season and then like what is there to do now yeah i mean so the the year that i came in like i unbeknownst to me like i really had no clue the other guys they were bringing in to came that year but that year we got the njack rookie of the year transferred to us the njack pitcher of the year transferred to us and then we got my bet one of my best friends here was also a division one transfer and then a Juco guy came from Dell State and he was transferring in. He was a catcher. And that was on top of them bringing back their entire regional team from the year prior. So they, we had their whole pitching staff back, adding myself and the NJAC pitcher of the year from, from Ramapo College. And we come in and <clears throat> we knew we were good. Like we, we knew we were going to be real good. Like, we were like, I think like 14 and two, 13 and two rolling in, just rolling teams down. Like had no one had a chance. And then just like, we're, we're playing one day out in, out in Pennsylvania and we, we smack that team around. We get back on the bus, we're heading home. And our coach is like, yeah, like guys, like we're, uh, we, we don't have any games this weekend. I'll, I'll text you guys on Monday. We're like, All right. Sounds good. Like, we didn't really know. Like, we saw that other teams, like, got canceled, like, TCNJ. And we were like, oh, that's weird. So, like, we're kind of just, like, sitting around. Didn't really know what to do. And then we got another text. It was like, hey, guys, like, uh, this whole COVID thing, 
it's a, it's a real problem. Um, I'll let you guys know in two weeks. You're like, what? Uh, okay, I, I thought it was Monday. Now it's two weeks. Right. <clears throat> and then we're, we're all just sitting around, you know, like we had nothing else to do. Like there was no school going on. But everyone kind of just halted their life, which it happens, you know. And, and then we got another text like two days later that was like, yeah, guys, season's banged. Like we got to come in and hand in all of our stuff. And we're kind of all just like we we're all together. Like we, we all live together. There's like 10 of us in our house. And we're kind of just like standing around looking at each other. We're like, what just happened? Like, it was the most insane thing ever. Like, and we had seniors, we had some fifth years, and they're, like, standing here, and they're, like, what, what, do, what do we do? Like, what's going on? And it was, it was just tough, man, because then, then all of us were, like, all right, got to go home now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the entire United States was doing the same thing for, like, a month straight. Everyone was, like, you know, staying in their house, you know, doing – hanging out with their families, enjoying their family time. But, like, besides that, no one was really doing anything. There was no baseball activity that you could go do, you know, and couldn't really do much. And it was it was an interesting halt, you know, and I, I bet you were in the same position down there at Piedmont. Yeah, it was, it was odd at Piedmont, man. It was, you know, we – because I had um, – I'd been planning to go on, on spring break, obviously, and um, go on spring break, and uh, you get back, or, or plan on getting back, and while I'm on the boat, uh, on the cruise ship, I'm in the uh, little sports lounge, wherever you can place bets, you know, and I don't really gamble. I was just in there, they just had, you know, tournament games on. Um, they got all the games on the TVs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome environment. So they got all the, the, the conference tournaments on, and it, I remember, like, I don't know. It was like some random mid-major conference, like the SoCon or something, canceled the rest of their conference tournament. And I was like, why? Because I always had, I had this conspiracy theorist that lived in my dorm my freshman year. And then like January comes up to me. He goes, what do you think about this COVID stuff? And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know anything about it. To be honest with you, he was like, I was like, I was like, what are you talking about, bro? And he was like, China sending spiders over here to infect us. And I was like, don't think that's happening. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but that was the only time I had heard about COVID before that. And then, so, um, yeah, I start seeing stuff get canceled for COVID. And so now I'm, my, my interest is peaked, but, um, when I go on a cruise, I don't buy the Wi-Fi or anything. So I'm not on my phone. Like that's a chance for me to just like not be on social media for however long. And so anyway, I get off the boat and um because they checked like for our temperature and stuff before we got on the boat but i didn't think it was that odd because you're getting on a cruise ship right you're gonna be in close quarters with everybody for a week so i get off the boat and there's like people at the port like questioning if the next cruise after us is going to go out and i'm like oh and so then once we get off the boat i got an email from piedmont saying you know we're gonna we're just gonna do two weeks of spring break you know you guys stay at home or stay wherever you're at for next week and so then I'm like, well, I'm already preparing as if like, okay, you know, because it was kind of for me, it was a, it was a new start because it was my freshman year of college. I had just started doing baseball play-by-play that year. It was the first ever time, and um, I was going to be the full-time guy for Piedmont Baseball, and I was obviously looking forward to that when I got back. And so I, I just kind of prepared. I was like, yeah, we're not coming back to school. Like I talked to my mom and dad. I was like, just it was one of those like, 
moments where if they're going to cancel it for one week, you know, we're probably not coming back. And so I went ahead and drove back down to Piedmont, got most of my stuff. And then they pretty much banged the rest of the semester after that. And I went down and got some of the major stuff. And then, yeah, I was just at home, dude. Um, I started a podcast with, that was the first time I started a podcast um, with one of my, my friends from college would end up being one of my roommates the next year. And we, we, we had a podcast we recorded a lot. I started playing a lot of video games online. I got really good at Madden um, and was just looking forward to the Braves starting because I didn't have any Major League Baseball then either. I think that's what really hurt was like there was no baseball in April at all. And nothing, nothing to watch on TV and you're, and you're cooped up in the house. Shout out The Last Dance. I saw that the other day. It was like the three-year anniversary of the first episode releasing. That was the only thing I think everyone that likes sports had to look forward to every week was The Last Dance coming on. Easily, and like, like, dude, honestly, like anymore, like I can't find movies anymore that I haven't watched because all all I did was sit in my basement and watch movies. You're not wrong. Not wrong. That's for me to do. It was it it was brutal. So, and obviously, even with with us, Piedmont was a private entity. So once we went back, um, they would be a little bit stiffer on the protocol. So we didn't have sports our entire fall season. We started basketball once I got back in the winter. So in like November. But for you guys in Jersey, it kind of kind of tighter protocols. So how long was it till you were able to get back in gyms and not only get back in gym, but get back into like a throwing program? Dude, it was so it was it was even weirder because that summer of COVID, the twenty twenty summer, I was planning to go play in the Prospects League in Ohio for the Chillicothe Paints. And they were they were like yeah like we're just, we're gonna still do it like it's still gonna go and like la- like two weeks before they're like yeah we can't do it this that whatever so I'm fumbling around I call my coach I'm like what do I do like where where do I go I was supposed to go away and he goes yeah hey, just give me a little bit and he's best friends with Craig Noda okay so he calls me back and he's like so I. I do you want to go to the Northwoods this summer? I was like, hell yeah. I was like, that place is awesome. You know, like, I, all I've heard about that league is there's absolute ballers out there. It's good time, a lot of baseball. I was like, yeah, like, that, that sounds pretty good. I was like, all right, cool, cool. I'll, go, I'll call you back in five minutes. I'll let me figure out, like, what, what you have to do. Like, all right, cool. So I'm waiting around. I get the phone call. It's like, so uh, you're going to have to fly to Chicago, get COVID tested, Stay in a hotel until your results come back, and then you'll fly to Wisconsin. I was like, so how long's that process? He was like, just about seven days. <laughs> and I was like, listen, I was like, sounds great and all. I was like, I'm not trying to fly out to Chicago and get cooped up in a hotel room by myself for maybe two weeks if this thing comes back positive. Right. I, I I think I'm good. Like to tell Coach Noto, like I truly appreciate it. So like it's weird. Like I would have spent three summers. <laughs> yeah. So and and you would have had to. So let me get it straight. When you would have done that in Chicago, would 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 you would have to had to pay for the hotel? I think so. Yeah, I would I would have been out on that too. I would be honest with you. As much as I know you love baseball and I love broadcasting, somebody would have told me I'd have had an opportunity to broadcast that summer, but I'd have had to do that. I I probably would have been I'd I'd have had the same mindset you'd have had to be honest. 
like I didn't like I wouldn't have to get tested every week. Like they didn't do testing out there like every week, like none of that stuff. So like I was like, yeah, that's not bad. I was like, but what if I do get trapped in this hotel for fourteen days? I can't fly anywhere. I'm just gonna be stuck here. Mm-hmm. You know. So like it was a it was a tricky situation and you know how flights were during COVID too flight attendants would just drop out like that and you'd be like have supposed to have a flight and then it just doesn't happen for like two days you're just then you're just stuck there and you're mm-hmm. like all right so what do i do now so it was uh i ended up playing ended up having to play in jersey that summer and uh i mean it was <clears throat> it was unreal obviously because the only leagues that were going on were like the south Florida league and the northwoods so like every other kid that was <clears throat> really good from this area, like New York, Pennsylvania, Jersey, like all those D one kids were staying here. So like that league was an absolute like a juggernaut of a league again because of all these kids having to stay here, not going to the Cave, not going to the New England League, the Perfect Game League, and the, like the Appy League, Coastal Plain, like all these kids had to stay in Jersey. So, like, the, the league was still really good that I played in. So, it was still, like, a good summer, you know? And then you, you finished that summer, and you talk about we, – we all went back to school, and we all had to deal with the positives and the negatives of COVID. Because there's some good stuff, like what we're on right now with Zoom. Um, I, I, there was some positives some negatives. And, obviously, you improved. You come back for 2021, but you were coming for the – you were coming from the throat in 21. And that was really – um, I think you would label it just the same as your really your breakout year uh, of your your collegiate career and kind of how you started to really put yourself on the map, not only in New Jersey but really around the country. Mm-hmm. At uh, that fall, like, I mean, it was it was tough, you know, everyone coming back and not not really anyone playing, you know, like, <clears throat> and that year was with everyone getting tested, you know, like every week you you're having to get tested. And we just did not have good luck around around Kane. I mean, as you could see with our record that year, we were we we were just like we we had our our first baseman playing shortstop. Like it was our our starting catcher was playing like right field or playing center field because our center fielder had COVID. Like it was like week to week we'd have like eight guys out, and like there was nothing we could do, you know. It was it was tough, but um, we all got through it. And uh, some guys, you know, didn't really respond to that all too well. You know, coming off of that and then not playing good baseball, being out of baseball. You know, like it was definitely tough on the mental game side for for me. Because like on Wednesdays you'd get tested and be like, all right, cool, like maybe I'll see you tomorrow if you, if you come back negative. You know, it was it was like, all right, cool. Am I maybe gonna go play baseball tomorrow? Am I maybe gonna be cooped up in my house for a week? After that, like was- things became kind of full circle because you did go back to Wisconsin Rapids, but Coach Noto, what was it like five days before opening day, accepted the head coaching Wagner. role at Wagner. So yeah. he's out, and now Kirk Scheiste, aka Kirk Schreider, is gonna be your skipper for the twenty one season. So, but you are in the Northwoods League now. So to walk us through that first year. So it was it was weird because like I know Noda also on a personal level like he's he's from right in Staten Island right in Staten Island like he's very close to about fifteen twenty minute drive so I knew him pretty well and I was just like very confused I was like all right like, 
what do I do? Am I still going? <laughs> I think I'm going because of Dodo. And I talked to Dodo and he's like, no, 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 no. Like, you're all good. Like the guy who I was out there with me, Kirk Schreider is going to take over. So, oh, all right, cool. Sounds good. You know, like, and I knew John Halama was going out who I've obviously like read about, like being a big baseball fan. And I was like, all right, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, like I'm psyched. So went out there and I was there from, I was actually the first kid there. Cause they didn't tell me when to show up. <laughs> No one told me, so I kind of sh- I showed up like three days early. I'm just like sitting there. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So went out there, and I was there from day one all the way to the final day in the Northwoods. I played all 72 and, and stuck it out. With, I think there was probably like eight guys who stayed the whole time, seven guys. That's so, for a pitcher. You're what? We didn't have a guy do that last year. We didn't have a pitcher stay the whole time. That's that's insane, dude. Uh, Cooper Co- Cooper Robinson came in June tenth, and he stayed the rest of the year. But we didn't have a pitcher do wire to wire in twenty two. That's crazy. We had we had me, we had Donovan Brandle, mm-hmm. Torres, and Billy Black all stayed the uh, the whole time. Uh, our, my first summer there. Wow. Which which obviously. Those are, those are four very talented guys, too. Donnie B, you, and Torres all came back for another year, and, and Billy had a good season in 22 at, at Columbia. Uh, actually helped close out the conference tournament for them. So um, four very talented guys, and then uh, obviously didn't make the playoffs your first year in the Northwoods League, and then come back to Keene, another solid year out of you. That has to be expected at this point, and you finish up your fifth year of college, and you, you want to come back to the Northwoods League in 22 last summer. And, well, the talent bed, I don't want to speak for you, but the talent bed in 22 seemed to be a bit stronger than it was in 21. So, in, in 21, we, our pitching staff was, was was top of the line. I mean, we had Austin Heaton, South, number one D3 team in the country, pitching coach with us, and we had John Halama. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, and we, we had dudes. Like, you know, like, we had guys like Braden Bonner, Zach Bennett, like, Hunter Waldis, you know, blowing up 98, 99. Like, we had some, some really, really good arms on our squad. But it was it was tough, you know, because, like, Kirk got Kirk got the reins last minute. So, like, he wasn't able to, you know, to, to get the guys that he knows. And obviously you saw how different it was in one year with Kirk having a full time being able, being able to get his guys, you know. And – it was just our hitting kind of struggled that first year with us, and but but hey, man, last year, I mean, just talking about our pitches after my first year and last year, I mean, dude, we had some dogs again, and it was like I was I was very surprised when they told me that I was going to be a piggyback guy. I was like, oh, really? With the guys that we got, right here? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was like, thanks, John, for throwing me a bone. I appreciate it. <laughs> You know, like, and then Kirk told me, he was like, nah, like, I, I want I want you as one of those piggyback guys. I was like, all right, cool. You know, that, that makes me feel better. Like, I appreciate it, Kirk, you know, like, but in, in besides, like, the pitchers that we had, man, like, playing with guys like, like, Benny Ross, Bobo, Nate, uh, Broussard, uh, you know, uh, Seth, Chase, like, dude, those are some of the best group of hitters that, like, I've ever played with you know like in agawa 
you know, Stone, Chris, like, those kids swung the stick, man. Like, it was so fun to be there and watch those kids. Like, oh, yeah, this guy will just pop one out anytime. <laughs> no big deal. Bobo hit one over the scoreboard, or Seth will put one almost in the street. <laughs> or a guy will just go up and casually hit one off the wall, take two, or, or hit his 17th walk-off single of the summer. Like... It was like every guy you knew walking in the, into that box, you're like, all right, yeah, that guy's going to smack one. And like, usually he did. Like, yeah. And like, it, like, even like, like Levi or Harry strolls in there, you're like, all right, cool. Here comes a ball that could potentially go off of some child's head on the playground. <laughs> left. You know, like, call four when you hit one out there, guys. <laughs> like, it was like, that was, that was so fun, man. And like, from your position like all the way up top and being able to call all those games man like you like you you might wish that you were in my shoes down there seeing it but hey man i wish i was in your shoes being able to see those balls almost clear out of wisconsin rapids and Nakusa. The, the, i i told this um story to well to, to brendan on his episode i didn't go too deep into it i really haven't told this story yet but at the home run derby that was one of the coolest experiences i ever had but it's just funny because it was brendan and he grayback stolen in BP and Brendan hit one. And obviously I knew it was gone, but it was like, it was just kept going and going and going and going and went about three quarters out there into that. If you've ever been to Wisconsin Rapids or Winterfield at beyond right field, there's probably about, what would you say? 150 feet worth of grass. I was, yeah. I was going to say like 150 feet till it hits like the street. Yeah. And Brendan hit it probably about 25 feet from the street. It was full, it was a 450 foot homer, the longest one in the derby, and I I was just I didn't see anything on the broadcast I think for like two minutes I was just like like in shock because like obviously <clears throat> I, I, the longest home run I've ever seen hit live Jesus Sanchez which now plays for the Marlins does it a Triple A game he's playing for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp it's 509 feet and I saw it, it it just it was going up when it was going out. That was one of those type baseballs where I I never saw it hit quite hit its apex because it just kept going up, and that that's 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 unreal power. And like you're saying, dude, the talent bed. Um, I tell people this all the time. I can't wait five, ten years from now to see how many guys not only get drafted but how many guys have success at the major league level from that team. I mean, that talent bed from that team, dude, was amazing. And like you said, the pitching was awesome. And I mean. You, you were one of the most impressive guys all summer. And I'm not just saying that. I know, obviously, you, you, you had your injuries. You had to battle through. Didn't get to stay the full summer. But um, you were the reason that when we were going out there, if Colin Kiernan's pitching, you felt pretty good. Um, you, dude's got some nasty stuff. I, I'm sure a lot of guys that's faced you could say that. Um, Colin Kiernan, you, you, throw this, uh, you throw this slider. It looks like an airbender. I, the first time I saw it was actually when you got hurt at Fond du Lac. I had had a really good um, look at it. So probably one of my favorite games I broadcasted coincidentally was the game you ended up messing your hip flexor in and I hated it, but I was, I was broadcasting in a box at Fond du. It was the only nice spot they ever gave me when we went there. They put me in an actual like, uh, like suite or whatever. And so I'd obviously watched your pitch before, but you, you see the break from up top and you're able to better see the pitch for me as a broadcaster. It was constant rapids because you're so high above the field of play. But in Fondy, you're literally, you're pretty much on point to where the batter is. So you threw that slider, dude, and it looked like you were throwing a Frisbee. 
and I'm just sitting like right there, and I'm like, okay, this is legit. I'm fortunately that was a game where you coming first and stepped on first a little odd, but you know what? You're able to come back and able to get a few more starts after that. And the piggyback, I did want to clarify there that I wanted to ask you about that too. It was a very odd thing, but we had so much pitching talent in order to get guys their innings and get guys their work. Kirk had to do that. So the piggyback was three innings of your starter, usually three innings of your guy off of that. So you'd have two starters that would take up six and then inning from each there on the back and seven, eight, nine would all be a different guy. Um, it was kind of something that Halama and Kirk had, had come together. And John Halama, for those who don't know, was actually traded for Randy Johnson. Um, this is the type of guy we're talking about. Was on the 2001 Mariners on the team that won 116 games. The most ever wins by a major league team in a regular season. Coincidentally, was a pitching coach for the Wafters that won the most wins ever in the history of the Northwoods League in a single regular season. So John Halama, he, he likes to win apparently. So that, that piggyback, how, how did you like that? Did you like that as a pitcher? Do you think that could be something that would be implemented ever outside of a summer league in, in either a collegiate or professional environment? So that, that like, what, what they did with the piggyback, I thought was, was to be honest, brilliant. Because you're, you're, on, a, you're on a five-man rotation, five days, and you're going out there and you're going to give your best three, maybe four innings that day, you know, and, and you're not, you know, laboring at all. You're, you, you got your best stuff. Like you're well rested, your arms feeling good. And I think for a lot of guys this summer, like it kind of opened some eyes that was like, okay, this is a pretty, pretty good process that, that we got going on. Cause think about it. In, in that night, like, say you got four out of your first guy, three out of your set, your piggyback starter, then you only got to use two guys. And in, in a lot of senses, a lot of those guys can bounce back the next night. Right. If you need them. But then you still got, like, five or six other guys who are fresh, ready to go. And for college, I, I feel like at the Division One level, you see that a lot more. Because they're, they're like, listen, you're going to give me, like, 80, 85 pitches of your best stuff for like four innings, maybe five, you know, give, go out there, give me your best stuff. And like that keeps guys fresh, keeps guys healthy throughout the year. Cause it's a, it's a long season and guys start to die out by like game 40, you know, and arms are starting to hurt, bodies are starting to hurt, you know? And I thought that was a great process that Kirk and John came up with. Because he, he, in summer ball, you, you're not out there to, you know, abuse, abuse guys, throw a lot of pitches, you know, like you're going out there, you're getting your work, and and so are the other guys you're with, you know, like you don't want one guy like one week throwing 10 innings and like one guy throwing one, you know, like innings were spread out, guys got their work, and, and I think it was a good process, and I think that's something that a lot of uh, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three coaches should do. I think it was something that could be implemented um, outside of, of, of summer ball. So come back to Keene, sixth year. Um, you're the old man around. I don't know if they're calling you grandpa yet, but they, they might be. Uh, no, so. they do over there. They, uh, <laughs> they, they ask me about my joints every single day if I'm still able to move, you know. So, so. you're back at, you're back there. Um, <laughs> we, we just talked before we got on here. Out of your last four starts at the time of this recording, you could have pitched possible 36 innings. You've thrown 35. That's including three consecutive complete games. 
Um, two of those being complete game shutouts. Um, another one of those, you ended up defeating our good buddy Ben Amon at the College of New Jersey. So you, you, you're on a heater right now, as I would say, uh, if I were broadcasting. And um, you're having a really good sixth year and final year of college. So um, as, we, as we move and wind down to, to the end of your collegiate career, what's next for Colin Kieran in baseball-wise, career-wise? What are we looking at after, after May? So uh, I'm graduating with my bachelor's in exercise science from Kane. Um, and currently, um, I'm an intern for the uh, Kane University strength and conditioning coach who oversees all the athletics here. So I've been working with him since January, um, and it has been fantastic, like learning from him and, <clears throat> and getting some real hands-on experience with that. And it's really cool learning about your body, learning about different things. So that's been really cool. Um, but baseball-wise, you know, I'm finishing out here i'm looking you know win our regular season right now we're we're in we're in the driver's seat right now we're first in the conference 10 and 2 um strolling and strolling into a pretty tough weekend this weekend so i gotta i gotta throw against the 15th ranked team in the country this weekend so i'm getting ready prepping for that um but uh after after i'm done here playing ball um i've gotten some calls for independent baseball um to go and play um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, how my body holds up. Uh, I'm I'm already at, at like 75 innings on the year with another definite two starts left in there. Definite. So unless we make the regional, there's three. So the innings will keep piling up. Um, the goal is to get to 100 this year. You know, I was too shy last year. Um, but we'll we'll see how it all goes. I'm I'm gonna try and get a if i'm not going to play baseball i'm definitely going to get a job in the exercise science world my <clears throat> the guy who i'm interning for he worked for the jets right after he he was done in college so he's gonna maybe help me out with that and, and see you know where i can go from there um but like i definitely want to coach um I, I love the game man it's it's a hard thing to hang up the cleats but staying in the game is probably the best thing for me also i i, I love it too much and it's given more than enough to me, so I think it's time for me when I'm done playing, you know, to give back. I'm with you there. I'm with you there, brother. That's it's one of my biggest gripes, and you've heard me talk about it on the podcast, is not being able to call enough baseball. Um, I love the game of baseball so much. And I probably – I love broadcasting, but I, lo I love the game of baseball so much. And it's really guys like you have made it so special for me. Um, and like you're saying, you know, it, it is hard to hang the cleats up. I had to do that, you know, before before some at the end of high school. But um, obviously, I, Colin, I, I speaking for a lot of people, probably listen to this. You'd be an amazing coach. I would love for my kids to play for you. Um, I think that would be awesome for you. And then obviously having independent ball looks, man. I mean, that's 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 still really really good. I, indie ball is is something where I know a lot of guys go and develop and, and parlay that in the, in the minor league contracts. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all there. Um, but what you've done in six years of collegiate baseball, I think you could definitely hang your hat on that, even if you don't get an indie ball contract. You don't pursue professional baseball. Um, and I think you definitely agree with me there. I mean, they, they throw you like an old school guy, man. I mean, they really do. Like, my dad loves to talk about back in the day when they didn't use the bullpen. Well, if Keen's throwing Colin Kieran in tonight, it's a pretty rare circumstance when they use the bullpen. So, and I did want to ask you that, too, just one final to, to close it off on, on your college baseball and, 
and as we've moving forward, you talk about this week. We're recording this on a Wednesday. I'm assuming you're going to start on Friday, correct? Uh, Saturday. Saturday. Okay, so yeah. your throwing program for you, um, you're going to throw probably anywhere, I would assume, from 100 to 120 pitches on Saturday. What is your throwing program throughout the week, rest-wise? Take us through the preparation for a start. Kane's like I, I wish I could like FaceTime you like I could FaceTime you and show it like Kane's athletic training room is absolutely unreal we're like one of two colleges in New Jersey that have the whole whirlpool room um we got like 20 tables five on staff ATs uh the Normatech boots the cupping the the game ready the stim anything that you can imagine like they have it so I, I spend a whole lot of time in there um, and my throwing program is like my second day after I try to get the long tossing, get the arm moving, get out to like one, one fifty, and get some air under it. <clears throat> um, and then, uh, that next day. So, which was yesterday was just like, you know, light catch, get, get the body moving, incorporate throwing drills. And then today is my bullpen day. Uh, so like 15, 20 pitches, keep it light, spin the, spin the ball, get a feel for my break and stuff. And and uh, tomorrow I just spin it lightly and get myself ready to go, feel feel the slope down the mound. And Friday I don't do anything. I sit around, I uh, do the book, and, and I get ready for, for, my, day, for my day on Saturday. Um, but it's, it's a whole lot of um, sprint stuff that I do for my running. Like I, I, running's kind of tough for me with my hip right now, so like – I'm, I'm a big bike guy. I'll run in our swim X machine. Um, so like I'll do a whole lot of that recovery in order to get me, get me ready again for the next Saturday of going, hopefully a full nine again. Dude. And get in that complete game. A hundred and what'd you say? 154 pitches? Yeah. 154 against uh, William Patterson, who's a top 25 team in the country. Dude, that's, that's, I, okay. I will say this. Obviously we both sharing the fact that we went, I went to D3, you still had a D3, about to graduate from a D3. Saw a kid throw 138 pitches in a complete game against Piedmont one time. It's most pitches i ever seen thrown in a game. Like he did a high school game last night where the kid threw 109 through six, and I was a bit concerned for him. Um, saw 154 is crazy. Yeah. It was it was a lot, but it was it was it was a day that we were, we were playing William Patterson, a powerhouse D three, uh, and Jack Player of the Year on their team this year again. Kids hitting like probably like four fifty. They got three guys hitting over four hundred, and like I knew it was I knew it was my day. Like it, I'm getting the ball, like, and I think we were up three one in the ninth, and uh, got quick two outs. I think I struck out the first kid, struck out the second kid. Uh, let up a single, hit the next kid, walk the next guy, and <laughs> loaded the bases for the NJAC player of the year, the four hitter. So I had to face him, bottom of the nine, two outs, 
bases loaded, 3-2 ball game, and it was like my 154th pitch. I threw the hardest ball of the day. I was like, I threw like a 91 mile an hour fastball outside corner. And he just got over it, rolled over to shortstop, and that was the end of the day. But my coach came out to talk to me, like after I hit the kid, and we had like I think bases loaded already. And he's like, he's like, what's going on? I'm like, listen, I'm like, you're gonna have to pull the ball off of my dead body today. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, it, it, no one else is coming. In. Like, I was like, put the bullpen guys down. They're not coming in. I'm winning this game or I'm losing this game. It, there, there's no in between. Um, and he's like, and he, he's a pitching guy. He was, he used to do the same thing after 130, 140 pitches, you know, like he was the same way. So like, he just shook his head, gave me a little nod and strolled back into the dugout. And, you know, the, re the rest happened after that. So like, Dude, 91 on a 154th pitch. I mean, I know Colin, I know you're not throwing high 90s anyway. You're, you usually yeah. sit 92 to 95, I think, on your fastball, if I'm not mistaken. Um but 90, yeah, on 91 on the 154th pitch, you're not seeing major leaguers do that. I'm sorry. It's just not, it's not, that's humanly impossible. Colin Kiernan, that's, wow. Yeah, I, I might have to. I just let it go. I, I just let that thing rip. <laughs> I might have to come. to are going to get hit 500 feet or it's going to hit that hit. Not at all. I might have to come up to Keen and recover myself. That sounds like some good recovery. So anyway, that's. Listen, this is why I wanted Colin on here, because we had a lot of these conversations last summer where Colin would give these unreal pitching numbers, and it would be like, you sound like you're talking to a folktale, but no, you can actually go on Keen's website and look at the number of pitches, and he's not telling any lies. Um, the guy will literally, they'll throw him until his arm falls off. So that's why, if you like baseball, you like a guy like a Colin Kieran, and I love baseball. So this is why we had to have him on here, and this is why, I don't know what he's going to say, but this is the point in the podcast where Colin Kearney gets to ask me any questions, tell any stories, or or anything else under the sun that you'd like to say here on the podcast. Um, well, I definitely got two things. The first one is um, actors spend two summers in the Northwood League, and especially in a place like Wisconsin Rapids that is like so small. And everybody knows everybody. People sleep with their door open at night. Like, there's not an issue there, you know? <laughs> like, great people, great, great little community. And going out there two summers in a row, like, I did my first summer there. And, like, it's a big decision, you know, wanted to, wanted to head back out there and spend another summer. And I just spent two summers out there and having, having the relationships that you have with guys, like, like, like you, you who's lived in Georgia. Now you're out in North Dakota. And, you know, like we're still talking like this, you know, like Eden Brewer, who was on here recently. Like I talk to that kid like every day, like it, he'll, he'll have a game. I'm like, I'm like, how'd it go today? You know, like let me know his stats, like stuff like that. You See, know? he hit four homers on a doubleheader on Monday. Or, and, and they still lost. <laughs> because he still lost, though. I was like, he texted me that, and I was like, oh, no. But anyway, the brew man, just an update on the brew man real quick. Dude's been on a heater. He's hit eight homers in his last, I looked last night, 11 games, I think. So yeah. we talked about, he said, hopefully he would get it back going when we recorded his podcast. He's got it back going. But anyway, Colin. And it's in like going out there and, you know, meeting guys and having, having a manager like Kirk Schreider, you know, like the guy's been around the game. And, and definitely, like, of course, with all managers are different. I was like, uh, but that 
that guy, like, as much as, you know, it's tough playing, like, every day, you know, in and out, going to the field. Kirk did, made this second summer that I had out there a lot a lot more enjoyable. And then John Halama, like, I couldn't thank that guy enough for what he's done for me. Like, I still talk to John, you know? Like, next time he's in Brooklyn, like, me and him are going to try, I'm going to try to get together with him, you know, and see him. And the relationships that you gain out there were, were like, unmatched, you know? Like, like I'm still talking to Levi. Like, the kid goes to the University of North Alabama, right. you know? Like, talking to him all the time. Like, it's it's definitely an experience of a lifetime that not too many people get to have. And it's it's a really, really fun time, like, knowing that you're going to go out there and, and meet a bunch of great guys just like yourself and really enjoy yourself for those 72 games in 75 days because you got to make the best of it. As you know, it's, it sucks, but you got you to make the best of the whole situation that you're in. Um, but, uh, yeah, besides that, probably the only thing I got for you is, you know, the first, the first start I had out there this summer when uh, I drove 14 hours by myself from Jersey to Chicago, get out of my car, my body's shaking. I have no clue what to do. I'm starving, haven't slept. And I get in my hotel room and I uh, text good Kirk Schreider. I'm like, hey, Kirk, you know, uh, what, what, what time tomorrow? What time you need me to meet you at the stadium? What time to pregame you? All that stuff. You need all the information because I'm driving from Chicago to meet you guys in Milwaukee for the, mm-hmm. the Lakeshore series. And I get a text back that says, "Little worry a little bit less about the GPS to the field and worry about the GPS and strikes up. You're starting tonight. <laughs> I'm like sitting there in my room and I'm like, is he busting my chops here? <laughs> All right, huh. Let me call John and see if he's lying. He's like, yeah, no, 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 you're good to start tomorrow. I was like, Yes, I, uh, I didn't just drive 14 hours by myself, but yeah, sure, I'll give it my best shot tomorrow. Um, so I get out there. I I think I went like six innings or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. From your point of view, that ball that that kid almost hit in the Lake Michigan. How far did that ball actually go? That was their uh, that was their big left hander, wasn't he? It was the, and that was the kid who was gone after the. He was gone after like the first week. He was yeah, no longer he was on a temp contract. I remember because um, they did us a disservice because they put us in a different hotel for the other three times we stayed in the Lakeshore or whatever. But the 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 chalet. I remember. Well, well, here's what I remember. We get there. You're sitting in your car. I introduced myself to you. I'm like, we got to get a picture. We get the stadium. Yada yada yada. And I remember thinking, which I already told you this. I was like, as I did with most guys, fill them out. And pretty much almost every guy, I'm like, he's going to be my best friend. Um, there was an exception for a few guys. I'll tell you who they are after we get done recording because I don't want to do that to them on here. But um, I was like, I was like, I'm going to like Colin Kiernan. So we get off the bus, and Kirk's like, you know Kirk, man. And he would love it. He, he's going to laugh because he listens to this. He goes, he goes, all right, you got to go in there. You got to get the keys. And I go in there, and – I get these keys, right? Well, normally, right? Like I'm, I'm our media relations guy. You go in the hotel, you get the keys. They give you cards. They give me like this file cabinet size envelope, and I open it up, and there's actual keys. And I'm like, anytime you stay in a hotel, 
just a word of advice to everyone out there, and you probably already know this, but anytime you stay in a hotel and they give you actual keys, no bueno, no bueno. Yeah, not good. And so I walk back up to you. I go, all right, Colin, here's your key. And you go, I can't say what you actually said. You go, what the? And I go, yeah, I know, man. And <laughs> I walk past you, give out everybody's keys. So then everybody's going to their hotel room. Uh, Riley was with us. And we're getting off. And Riley already went up to our room. I'm walking in with Hammer, Nathan Hammerling. And he, y'all had stayed there apparently like the season previous. And he goes, yeah, we did. He goes, yeah, somebody found blood on their mattress, Brett. And I can't tell if he's trying to pull the broadcaster's leg or like what. And he goes, nah, man. He goes, and you know, you know Hammer. He doesn't talk a whole lot. He's a funny guy. He doesn't talk a whole lot. And he looks at me. He goes, nah, Brett. He goes, I wouldn't do that to you. He goes, we actually found blood on the mattress. That um, night, I remember, I was like, okay, I talked to you about your stuff, as I always did, and and figured out what you had. And, yeah, that kid, that kid hit a, he hit a long baseball. Um he, he, he hit that one a long ways. Didn't hit it as far as Brendan hit his, though, in the top of the night. That went out the right center. That, that was insane. Um, but, yeah, that kid got all of it. I think that was – he only had two hits, though, Colin. So, congratulations on that. I think he went, like, two for 14. Um, but one of those was a two-run bomb. Yeah, you pitched awesome that night. Yeah, I mean, you pitched – I think it was in the first inning. It wasn't the first inning. It was, it was literally – I think you walked the leadoff guy. You got the number two guy out, and they had him hitting three-hole for some reason. And he just keyed up a uh, – I think – what would you throw him? It was slider fastball. I think what you it did. was a fastball that, like, I threw on his hands, and, like, I turned around, and I was like, Ah, oh, so this this is how this one's gonna go tonight, huh? You gotta think though. That's like playing in Colorado there. Like the ball, that's a launch pad, dude. Like yeah, Colin Tuff hit one that would have been going. I mean, it'd have been going anywhere else in the league, but he hit it, and it was a mammo shot later in the year that year. Like it was incredible. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I uh, love watching you pitch. Something I know about you, Jersey guys, and it might be to be a D three thing as well. You work with a lot of pace which is something that I like. And obviously in the, in the new days game, I like, but something even more that I like about Colin Kiernan. And if you've been listening this far, you figured it out. He's a very funny and personable guy. Colin is the same guy on the podcast that he is in the locker room and you get him, John Halama together. That is, that is, uh, that's a duo right there, dude. I can't tell you how many times I fell over laughing in the locker room because of those two guys or, on the bus or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, Colin Kiernan, ladies and gentlemen, episode 27 of the Where Else Would You Rather Be podcast. He's uh, he's a 60-year ball player. He's taking advantage of those COVID years. And, well, Colin has made a great collegiate career out of it. Colin, any final thoughts? No, I mean, this, this is great, man. I'm so happy I got to, got to talk to you on here. It's, it's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a while, and we're figuring out the, the our lives after Wisconsin Rapids. So, it's uh, led us to we'll meet in North Dakota and hopefully you hopefully you'll go out to uh to, to East Rutherford. I think that'd be pretty nice. I know someone else who who worked for the Jets as well. It's a great organization to work for, and you get to work with a Rod. Maybe maybe you'll uh that that would be pretty nice if you got that gig or, or working in any ball. Either way, I think you're set. So yeah, I'm I'm psyched, man. But it, it was great being on here. This, this was this was a lot of fun. It was great talking to you. Well, thank you guys for listening to episode 27. And as always, where else would you rather be?